Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to you. Oh my goodness, there is an aspect of the image of God that is only, is only revealed in the women around us. Many of them are biological mothers, and we're so grateful for them. But at Olivet on Mother's Day, we especially celebrate all the women of our lives, the people that, that bless us and reveal the love of God to us. So we're grateful for you women today, and we just pray that this is an amazing day for you. We recognize that for some, it's a hard day. And know that, that we understand that. Know that our hearts are with you. Many of you, when you think of Mother's Day, there's pain involved. Maybe because you are not able to be a mother yourself. Or maybe because of the loss, physically, emotionally, or spiritually, of your children. Mm, as we'll see in our worship service today, God makes incredible promises to us about the impact of our lives, about our physical, uh, our spiritual children. So God bless you today. We just pray that you would open your heart and mind to the presence of God. And I'm going to believe that, that as you do that, he's going to bless you richly. Hey, uh, while we're beginning, uh, if I could just take just a couple moments for, for some, um, some announcements. Um, if you would help us today by liking our broadcast, consider even now um, starting a watch party. When your friends see that, they may join you and you can encourage them even as we're worshiping together. But um, we appreciate so much your being a part of sharing the gospel by propagating our, our broadcast today. Also, want to encourage you, if you would, bless us by texting your name to 812-457-9509. There's some way that we can pray for you. There's much going on in the lives of our family and our constituents here at Olivet. If there's some way we can pray specifically for us, for you, excuse me, then then text us, let us know if there's some way that, that um, God has answered your prayer and you want to make that known, then, then text that to us at 812-457-9509. While you're doing that, I just want to share with you some other quick announcements. Um, we know as we gather here today on this Lord's Day that there are churches that are gathering in Evansville in person. If you're coming from somewhere else in the country today, you might not know that, that our governor has given us the freedom to meet in person. But our, uh, our session, our elders have gathered together and prayed and, and studied the matter in depth. And we've looked particularly in light of the needs of and, and the vulnerabilities also of our congregation. And so we have crafted a, a staged reopening plan for our faith community that will not only allow us to continue to worship together online, but, but um, will gradually increase the ability for us to be together. 
Um, we believe also that that will uh, profoundly advance the kingdom of God, even during this crisis. So for now, and just for the beginning of our worship service, the bottom line is that we, at all of that, will postpone our in-person worship until uh, we estimate at least uh, June 14th, when we will begin restricted um, in-person gatherings. I'm smiling because we'll be right here where I am today in this sanctuary. But what will happen is over time, we will gradually increase and increase and increase our ability to be together until, Lord willing, and I I mean that, Lord willing, uh, it's completely safe in July. So for now, we will continue our online worship. Uh, We encourage you to get involved in online small groups. Uh, We will um, reveal to you, and I'm going to do that in a separate message, um, a staged plan whereby those of you who are ready to get together, who are comfortable getting together, can uh, begin to meet in small groups and worship in small groups. But ultimately, uh, it'll be till June 14th when we actually meet in this facility to worship God in person together. Um, For more information, you can go to our website, olivetcommunity.com, and we have a graphic there on the website, or you can download a a PDF of of, uh, the staged plan that our elders have put together. And uh, and then we just appreciate your, um, first of all, your trust and your respect for our leadership, but then secondly, your enthusiasm and your hopefulness as we move toward Um, being able to be together in person. But in the meantime, we are not limited or restricted in any way in our worship, and I just invite you to think deeply with us over these days about what we believe, right? Because everything hinges on what we believe and what we confess, what we speak out loud to uh, the Lord and to the world. So we're continuing today our study of the Apostles' Creed, and, and you'll remember that we have, we have uh, introduced the first couple of phrases of that Apostles' Creed together. And I just wanted to take a moment and invite you, wherever you are, to stand with us uh, at the beginning of our worship service and, and, to, um, and to let's share the Apostles' Creed together. I want to encourage you to speak it today. Are you up? Here we go. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen? Mm. Today we're going to focus especially on that second clause. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. We studied that together last week. But today we pick up the next two phrases. Who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. 
Now, can you imagine what must have been going through Mary's mind when she first heard that amazing news that she would bear the Christ? I gotta, I gotta imagine that it was absolutely overwhelming. I gotta imagine that it was frightening. Much like for some of us, as we heard different news about loved ones or about the situation uh, through COVID virus, um, we're, we're tempted to fear. We were tempted to, to lose trust in the sovereign God. So what is it that gives us strength when everything around us is being shaken?
Hear the word of God, would you, today from Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 through 7. If you go to the middle of your Bibles, then, then go just a couple of books past that, past the book of Psalms, you'll find the book of Isaiah. And in a passage that had become so beloved to so many of us, God speaks powerfully. By the way, as you're turning there on your phones or in your Bibles, I would just encourage you again, um, there is a free video series on the life of Jesus Christ that is available to you during these days. Um, It's produced by VidAngel. It's called The Chosen. And the first episode, there is an amazing, uh, amazing um, portrayal of Mary Magdalene now coming to faith. The scripture played a powerful part in that for her. Hear the word of God, would you? Isaiah 43, verse 1. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, he who formed you, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you walk through, excuse me, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba, in exchange for you. Because you are precious in my eyes and honored, I love you. And I give men in return for you, people in exchange for your life. So fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west. Hear that, mothers. I will gather you together. I will say to the north, give up. And to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name. Do you see the double entendre there? Yes, literally, your family name. There's an amazing promise for our prodigal children. Amen. But God is also speaking of his children from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by his name, whom he created for his glory. He says at the end, whom I formed and made. My beloved, this is the very word of God. Thanks be to God. Let's worship together. tries to roll over my bones When sorrow comes to steal the joy I own When brokenness and pain is all I know I won't be shaken I won't be shaken
Wow. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Isn't it fun to see the unity of Scripture as time and time again we come back to this idea that God loves us, that God will fight for us. We don't have to fight ourselves. We just have to stand firm, right? We just have to stand and believe. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Oh, turn with me, would you, to our passage for today. It's from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. And we'll begin at verse 26. At verse 26. And it sounds really familiar. Because five months ago, on December 1st, I believe it was, we opened this passage together again in our former facility. We had no idea what the coming five months would hold. But we heard these very same words and we experienced God's invitation to trust and believe. So hear them again in uh, Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month, now that was of Elizabeth's pregnancy from the previous passage. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man or or, um, engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Last December, we explored those that greeting together. What an amazing greeting for her then. And what an amazing step of faith to believe that God speaks of us that way. Good morning, child of God. You are highly favored of God. Isn't that powerful? And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying. And she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, and here's these words again, Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, or as we explored last week, God saves, right? And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father by, by human lineage, his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob, the people of God, forever. And his kingdom, excuse me, and of his kingdom... There will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. The Son of God. And behold, your your relative Uh, Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren who had no child even in her old age (laughs) 
then he says those amazing words. For nothing is impossible with God. Would you say that out loud? For nothing is impossible for God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And the very word of God. Thanks be to God. Wow. Wow. It was such an amazing passage. And so important. So important to the the early followers of Jesus that they, remember there's only 110 words to summarize everything they believe in the Apostles' Creed. But this was so important that they used many of those words to describe this. Yes, Jesus Christ is Lord, the Son of God, right? But, But how that happened was important as well. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. So today, as we look at this passage, I want to I invite you to, to look at it a little differently now. Um, look at it from the perspective of someone who's absolutely overwhelmed by their circumstances. Look at it from the perspective of, of someone who... who is, is young, if not physically, at least young in their understanding of this infinite God, right? Look at it from the perspective of her fiancé, Joseph, maybe, right? Look at it from the perspective of someone who's just learned for the very first time that she's going to become a mother, right? The Christ will be born. The Christ will be carried. The Christ will be revealed to the world in and by and through you. Did you hear that? In and by and through you. So as we saw last December, the message to Mary is very much God's message to us. He wants us to carry the Christ and so, so I want to just explore a couple questions with you today. How in the world, first, is this going to happen, right? How is this going to happen? And, and like Mary, there's a logistical aspect to this question. How will this be, she said. Mary was very young. Mary had never been with a man. She was a virgin, right? How can someone who's not been with a man bear a child? Now, don't get lost in the weeds, all the, all the false directions that our culture wants to send you, right? Don't get lost in that. This is, beyond a doubt, a miraculous statement that someone who has never been with a man is going to conceive and bear a child. The angel answers her questions, and I want you to hear mysteriously the answer to our question as well. How will this be that you would ask of me, God, to conceive uh, of the Christ, to, to uh, have the Christ be born in me first and then through me to the world, right? How, how is that going to happen? Well, the same way it happened to Mary. First of all, in a, in a just immediate sense, I've got to hear God's word to me. I've got to hear the message of the angel. And then secondly, I've got to believe. 
what the angel says. I've got to believe. You've got to believe what the word of God says about Jesus. About Jesus. Wow, as we, as we put those two things into practice, then if our life goes like Mary's life went, then he'll give us amazing affirmations. We will see this played out. We will see with our own eyes. But the very nature of faith is this, isn't it? That, that we believe first with our heart before we see it. If we see it, it is not faith. And what, what the angel, the God through the angel was asking of Mary was that she would step out on faith just on the word of God. So, so hearing this word today is going to be critically important. And, and believing it, responding to it is going to be very important. And then I have this ultimate confidence that God then is going to gift you with amazing times when you will see with your own eyes the answer to the very things he promised. But there's a, there's a second aspect to that as well, a second question. What, what will this mean? Well, let me stop just for a second because I'm getting ahead of myself. There is an aspect where she had to respond by hearing and believing but, but there's another logistical question for her, and, and that is, how in the world is this going to happen? And, and I, want, I want you to understand that the angel gives her an exact template of how this is going to happen. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you, right? And, and, and you will conceive a child. In other words... Um, the angel is saying there will be no human father to this child, but God is the father through the Holy Spirit. God will be this child's father. Wow. Wow, yeah. Uh, imagine that those things were said to you. You're experiencing what Mary experienced that day. So the logical second question then is, what does this mean? And it's a question both, both for her in that context, as she heard this for the first time, but it's also a question for us. What does this mean? I want to approach it that way. What does this mean for Mary? And what does this mean for you and me and, and for humanity at large? Let's start with that Question, what did this mean for Mary? It meant for Mary that God heard her cry, right? From the first moment that she, she understood God's presence in her life, she had cried out with her sisters and brothers for the Christ to come. And, and Gabriel's message meant that God heard her cry. And, and, and I know that many of you have been crying out to God for things and, and it, time has gone by and, and it's easy sometimes to believe that God doesn't hear. But as we saw in Exodus, as we see through every page of scripture, God hears the cry of his children. And Mary got this amazing revelation through the presence and the message of the angel that God had heard her cry. It meant that God had seen her situation. Are you hearing the echoes from our study together of the book of Exodus, from the Exodus? God not only heard, but he saw her situation. It meant for Mary that God loved her. Yeah, you got to deal with that, beloved. 
Um, you've got to deal with the fact that the creator of the world loves you and wants you to live out of your true identity as his child. For Mary, God heard her cry. He saw her situation. She realized she's not just a, 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 a beloved of the Father, but she's also a, a child of God. She has this identity as a child of God. And not only is she a child of God, but, but she would be the one who would bear the Christ just as we will be the ones who bear the Christ to others. We've noted many times we have several Christophers in our midst. We named our son, Matthew, gift of God, Christopher, bearer of the Christ, right? It meant for Mary that she would be a partner with God in his sovereign purposes. She would be a partner with God in the sovereign purposes of God in the world. And to the extent that we, like Mary, hear and believe, then we partner with God as well in his purposes in the world. Now jumping from this passage to the end of Luke chapter 2, when Mary got to see affirmations that God's word was true, it meant also that, that, um, that she would experience pain, that a sword would pierce her own heart too. And on this day, when so many are celebrating mothers, I know that there are many who feel like a sword has pierced their heart. That doesn't mean that God does not seem. That does not mean that God hasn't heard your cry. It means, as we saw last week, that he's also entrusted suffering to you. He's given you the gift of faith, but he's also entrusted to you suffering. And this mother... This mother Mary would go through amazing pain as she watched God's sovereign purposes for herself, but more importantly for his Christ lived out before her. That meant powerful things for Mary, but it means powerful things for humanity as well, for us today, right? And it begs the question for us, what do we need to do in response? Because we're hearing this message today. We're responsible for it now, right? What do we need to do in response? And let me just press pause for a second and, and talk about this concept of the virgin birth. You see, there's, a, there's a, um, a, a false understanding going around even Christian communities that, that the virgin birth is a non-essential here that it's not important. Uh, You can be a follower of Jesus and not believe in uh, in the virgin birth. Now, I would say that there are many who admire Jesus, who glean amazing insights. He was the wisest human being ever to walk the face of the earth, right? He he was this amazing incarnation of the living God, and so so naturally, uh, the things that he said... uh, the attitudes that he encouraged, the, the lifestyle he lived would be worthy of your admiration, even your imitation, right? But don't be mistaken. The virgin birth is a critical aspect, I would say, and an essential understanding that differentiates whether or not we trust Christ authentically or not. Wow, what am I... 
What am I talking about? The virgin birth is, is a powerful theological truth that is affirmed in Scripture. Isaiah prophesied about it twice, at least, in Isaiah 7.14 and, and 9.6 through 8, right? So, so 700 years before the time of Christ, it was prophesied that, that the Christ would come uh, to a virgin mother. And, and, and I know that there are people who argue about, well, that, that word that's used in Isaiah, did it really mean, it could also mean just young maiden, right? And in fact, the natural, the immediate fulfillment of that prophecy was with a non-virgin, right? But, but make no mistake, scripture clarifies scripture. Um, Matthew attested to the fact of the virgin birth two times in, in, in Matthew chapter 1, when, when Joseph is dealing with this amazing news that he hears from, from the angel, Luke has attested to it here, right here in our scripture, three times. And there is no confusion about the meaning of the word. When it says virgin in the scripture, it means someone who has not been with a man. So the virgin birth affirms several things for us. And these are important for us. The virgin birth affirms Jesus' identity as truly God and truly man. You've heard me say it before. He is 100% humanity. And as a result, we can entrust ourselves to us because he's experienced everything we have experienced, yet without sin, the Apostle Paul, right? He, he has suffered everything we suffer and, and has persevered to the other side. So, so he was completely human, but because uh, he was born of the Holy Spirit, he is completely God as well. He is completely God as well. So the virgin birth affirms the miracu- miraculous revelation that Christ was born of God, therefore without a propensity for sin. This is getting in pretty deep theological weeds here, but, 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 the, the understanding that, that Christ was born without sin is, is essential, right? It has amazing ramifications. Because then, for the first time since Adam, there genuinely is someone who has the opportunity to live the life that you and I don't have the opportunity to live. We cannot live uh, without sin in and of ourselves. But Christ had the opportunity. He went through every temptation without sin and as a result became an offering worthy, worthy of our sin. And when he in love offered himself for us, then because he was the God-man, he was a worthy sacrifice. The virgin birth affirms Jesus' identity as truly God and man. It affirms the miraculous revelation that he was born without a propensity to sin. But also the virgin birth then reveals the miraculous nature of God's redemption. God did what we couldn't do. Humanity needed the 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 perfect sacrifice. Humanity need, needed the lamb without blemish. Humanity needed a perfect savior. But humanity by itself could not produce one. 
And I used a word there that's going to be really important for us. Well, you're saying, if you are asking me to believe in a, a virgin birth, you're asking me to believe in a miracle. Yes, I am. <laughs> Who am I? I'm not asking you to. The Lord is asking you to believe in a miracle. And beloved, if we can't believe in the miraculous incarnation of God in man, in the person of Jesus Christ, if we can't believe in the miraculous virgin birth, how are we ever going to believe in resurrection? God has gifted us with minds. He's given us the ability to process, to see, and to make conclusions. That's a part of of his uh, image in us. But at some point, God is going to ask you to take a step of faith beyond what you can see, beyond what you can comprehend. Oh, he's affirming this truth, and he's asking you, can you put your weight down on it? Let me just stop for just a second and pray. God, help us to look beyond what we have experienced, what's been reproduced in our culture. God, to believe that just as you raised Jesus from the dead, so you miraculously had Jesus conceived by the Holy Spirit in the human being Mary. And God, I just thank you for the incredible ramifications for our salvation that this belief holds. We love you, God, and thank you for the gift of faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, um, wow, thank you for, for um, thinking deeply with me about this critical theological truth that Jesus, God's only Son, our Lord, was conceived by God, by the Holy Spirit, and born of the Virgin Mary. What does that mean for us as we go from here? Just just know this, that Mary and Joseph are models of how to receive the truth of the virgin birth by faith. I know this is hard. And for many of you who have just kind of hidden back there saying, I'm not going to have to deal with this in my life. However it comes out, we'll see in the end. No, now I'm saying to you, this is a critical aspect of your understanding of the Messiah. For those of you who have been pressed out of your lethargy, who've been pressed out of of your comfort zone here, um, know that Mary and Joseph are models of the very thing that I'm asking of you today. What do I mean? They modeled for us faith in what God said. When Mary asked her questions, which are completely valid, and the angel answered her, Mary put her weight down. She said, may it be done to me as you have said. When Joseph, who was lovingly going to just quietly uh, break his engagement with with Mary, heard the angel's affirmation, then Joseph put his faith in what the angel said. I don't understand it. I'm speaking for Joseph. I can't wrap my round, my mind around this, uh, God, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to put my faith in you. So they modeled faith in God, but they also modeled faithfulness in his plan. 
See, we've seen so many times that God has a plan for you. And I'm speaking to some of you who are still living in fear and confusion and pain. God's not done yet. He has a plan for you. I remember that favorite scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11, right? I know. God says, the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and future, right? They modeled for us faithfulness to his plan. So I invite you not just to put your weight down on these truths, but to be faithful in them, to live them out in a real sense. Each of us is in the same place that Mary and Joseph were in that day. God wants Jesus to be conceived in us. And just like for Mary, it is an act of God. It is an act of his Holy Spirit. Oh, God, help us to conceive of this concept of Jesus, to to have him um, begin to grow in us in a way, God, that... that, um, Day by day, like a, like a child growing in its mother's womb, uh, reveals more and more of the glory of, of your creation. Help us to conceive of it, God. But God also wants Jesus to be born in us. And this remarkable a dualism, as, as Christ is born in us, then we are born again when we by faith believe in this miracle of the virgin birth, that the Christ has come into the world, as we put our faith in his life, his death, his resurrection, we are born again. But Christ, or excuse me, but God also wants Christ to be carried by us into the world. Just like Mary had to tenderly carry this, this, this little baby into the world and, and, and reveal this baby to the shepherds, reveal this baby to the Magi, reveal this baby to Anna and Simeon, to reveal this baby to the world. So God wants us to carry Christ into the world. He'll take care of how they respond. That's his job. But our job is to carry the Christ, to be Christopher's, to be Christ bearers in the world. And as we close, I just want to remind you um, of this powerful truth. I know it's easy when things don't go the way that you planned, and and inevitably, um, God's plan is different than ours. And it's easy to believe that either God isn't, doesn't exist, or that or that he's against us. The beauty of this story today is that God is not against you. He is actually for you, right? The Apostle Paul would proclaim it many years later in in his powerful phrase in the book of Romans, God is for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? For God bless you as you Put your trust in um, Jesus Christ, his conception by the Holy Spirit, and his virgin birth today.